Hello and welcome to Life on the Spectrum. This is Julie. I will be your host today. I have a special guest with me and you may have already noticed that John is not here hosting with us. So let me first introduce our special guest, which is Olivia, my daughter. Hello. Uh, We kind of kicked dad or John out of the room tonight and we're going to discuss what it's like to live on the spectrum between the two of us who don't have a place there. Or do we? Hmm. Have you ever thought of that? Um, not really. (laughs) I kind of think that we all have a place somewhere on the spectrum. It's a a question of how much your your spectrumness, your autisticness impedes your everyday life. Mm -hmm. So like... Livia, you have this habit of kind of picking at your eyelids and your eyebrows. I mm. think that is part of your life on the spectrum. It doesn't really inhibit your life in any way, but it's a little piece of the autistic behaviors that might just shine on you. Mm-hmm, like little specks. Yeah. <laughs> Here and there. Yeah. So Olivia and I are going to talk about kind of the perspective of not being on the spectrum and living with lots of people who are. Um, If you can recap that we have two sons who have been diagnosed with um, autism and uh, my youngest daughter who we suspect um, plays on the spectrum a little more significantly, but does not yet carry that diagnosis. And part of that is because we haven't pursued a diagnosis. Um, we also have Olivia's dad and my husband, John, who um, says to himself that, you know, I can see where I fit on the spectrum. And in retrospect of looking back in his history, uh, thinks there might be um, periods in his life where he could see that uh, if he were living today, he would probably have been on the spectrum as well. And that leads the two of us. Yep. <laughs> so I did some research before this show, and I found an article. Um, it was called Challenges, um, Eight Things Siblings of Children with Special Needs Struggle With. Let me try that again. Eight things siblings of children with special needs struggle with. And I think it was posted in um, on the in the Washington Post um, in December of 2016. And I thought it was a really fascinating discussion. And I thought we could have a pretty frank discussion about some of these things. And um, maybe even talk about some of the things I noticed in your dad and and mm-hmm. things that I struggle with. I think this morning I had a little um, moment of autism struggle. I had stated to John something to the effect of um, oh, pulling out the whites of Taylor's eyes <laughs> and asking him to to take out the garbage. And uh, what I was going to say this morning was, when you see the whites of Taylor's eyes, can you ask him to take out the garbage? And as I was saying it, I realized that he was never going to see the whites of Taylor's eyes unless he called for him to 
to come down. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? He stays in his room all day unless you call him. Right. So when I realized that, I I confuddled the expression a bit. And um, in kind of dad's autistic way, he corrected my expression. And he said, oh, I don't think I've ever heard that expression before. Which then made me a little bit upset because I knew that what I had said wasn't the expression I was going to. And I felt kind of frustrated with dad about having to point out the error in my speech. And um, when I got upset, he reacted to me and he was like, what? I can't talk in my own house, you know, and um, which made me even more upset because then I got the whole attention of everyone, all of you guys. Yeah, because after you left, I was sort of like, what happened? And he was sort of like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was having one of those moments of, okay, you know, and any other person would recognize that somebody misspoke and they wouldn't need to point it out. And your dad does this to me a lot where he has to point out any errors in speech. And sometimes I like that he points that out to me. And sometimes I just want him to like realize that I made a speech goof and let it go. Because mm-hmm, um, not everyone wants to be corrected all the time. Right. And he doesn't like it when I correct him either. Um, so I try sometimes to just go with the flow and ignore those things but I think it's that inner autistic that he just can't go with the flow Mm -hmm. and as I left and I left because I needed to blow off the steam of it but as I was thinking about it I was like I'm living with this autism all around me and even John isn't getting it Um, and it was kind of a frustrating moment Mm -hmm. do you ever have moments that feel like that Sometimes I feel like with mostly with Taylor that he doesn't when he doesn't understand me I feel frustrated because I can't think of a way to help him understand. I think of the way that I understand it and he has no clue what I'm talking about whatsoever. Like with some of the math we do. I try and teach him something the way I know it. He has no clue. And so I'm like, ask the teacher, because I'm not going to be able to help you. I wish I could, though. That's great advice to ask the teacher when you're frustrated and you can't quite get it figured out. I think that um, your dad has had issues with that same problem. Although it's more like he understands a complexity of a problem and he can't simplify it down. And he's often told me that he was never meant to be the teacher because he he just thinks people should understand. Mm. So I think that you and your dad might have a, a similarity in that way. Interesting. Yeah. So one of the things that the article was talking about is it says um, it identified commonalities between people, children of siblings of children with special needs and these commonal commonly held beliefs. 
So one of them is a feeling of a need to be perfect. Like I can never be perfect enough. I can never be good enough. And I was curious to know if you feel that way. Hmm. So it's if I feel like I have to be perfect at everything. Everyone's depending on me to be so. Um, I feel like sometimes, well, I don't, I don't feel like I do that often because, I mean, I don't want to have people be disappointed in me. I don't like it when people get disappointed in me, but I don't think I have to be perfection all the time because I feel like nothing is perfect. There's almost no such thing as perfect (laughs) do you feel like when you make mistakes in life that disappoints us or adds to the stress that we feel as parents i feel like when i do that i feel like i'm only putting a more stress on other people and more stress on me so now i have like a brick wall on my back yeah what are some things you do to kind of alleviate that brick wall and because i can imagine that would get really hard to carry all the time it is and sometimes ways i try to uh, eliminate them is by either spending some time alone with taylor spending some alone time just with myself and or thinking about the things that I made people disappointed in when I see it instead of waiting to do it way later. Do you feel like there's opportunities where you get to express your feelings maybe about having siblings with special needs or um, just being a part of this family? Yes, I think... It's the times where me and you are together alone. I feel like I get to say what I want to say. Whereas when I'm with other people, even the younger kids' friends, they don't understand me whatsoever when I try to explain them what autism is. Okay. What about when you're with Dad? Dad's different I, I i don't usually have times where i'm alone with him sometimes like when he's uh having his breaks at work i do um chat with him a bit but not much about expressions i feel like when i talk to him i ask him like a question about oranges <laughs> and he'll usually just look it up and tell me or it's Taylor who's asking the question. and Really, I don't feel like I talk about him with expressions much. Mostly just questions about objects and things. Do you feel like you can't talk to Dad about your feelings and, and thoughts? Or do you feel like you just don't have that connection with Dad? I don't think I have the connection... It would be interesting if you tried to see how that interaction came through. Like, would his autistic 
tendencies limit your ability to connect on an emotional level. That would be pretty interesting. Maybe I'll try that in the next week and see if it works. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things the article said was that um, siblings of children with special needs felt two particular emotions or expressed feeling two particular emotions, that of resentment about having a sibling with special needs and one of embarrassment that they had to care for them. I'm curious to know if you have ever felt either of those in that context and how you cope with that or what you think about other kids who have siblings with special needs kind of resenting that and being embarrassed by it. I feel like I'm not I'm I'm not embarrassed by it because um I feel like the people, the kids I've had around me, are the people I've grown up to know and love, and I can't think of a life without them. And I feel like I'm proud of some of them because they've come quite a long way from before, (laughs) ever since. Why don't you describe some of that? With Taylor especially, since... I'm more connected with him than Ava. Um, I've noticed him. He's he's trying more, I feel, a bit. Sometimes he just... Sometimes he still goes off with all his distractions. But I've begun to see him try harder in, like, school and trying harder to be a better kid not saying he isn't a bad kid. Um, with Wesley, his his uh, potty training is going way better. And Ava, <laughs> I feel like, I think Ava's the one who hasn't grown as much, but I feel like she is getting a bit more friends than she was uh, at uh, elementary school. Um, she, she, she's just not grown as much as the others, I'd say. Would you agree if I said that Ava has grown in her strengths, but her challenges are becoming more apparent? Yes, yes, I would definitely say that. I know, I was reading with her this afternoon, and it was funny to me that when she wasn't sure about a word, she would just, like, insert a whole phrase Mm -hmm. for that word. Yeah, because I heard you talking, she was trying to say pass, fast, I think. Fast. And she went, free, flash, Words that don't even make any sense in the context of the sentence. Mm-hmm. Like, she, I don't think she even tried to think of words that fit. I think she was just, oh, I'll throw this out, see if that's right. Nope, okay, throw this other word out. I also think she kind of panics, like, oh, I don't recognize that word, and just freaks out. I've, yeah, I think, I think that's true, because 
she'll be like, um, and then she'll sort of try to think about one, and then she'll just spit it out, and then she'll, if it's incorrect, she'll be like, uh, spit it out again. (laughs) So another commonality among kids like you uh, was feeling that their definition of family was a little odd. So I was curious, how would you define our family? Our family is, I would say our family is pretty good with, like, I would say our family is normal, but then again, it's like the only family I have. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I would say it's, it definitely has some quirks, like with the autism, but it's no different than anyone's usual family. It's like we all love each other, we all respect each other, and we help each other out. I would I would say I would say we we're we're pretty good. <laughs> so I realized that since we moved to Oregon, this hasn't really been our situation. But before we moved to Oregon. Um, we had, oh, somewhere around 16 different therapists that came and went from our home um, various times throughout the day to help Wesley and Taylor. Um, that was in-home ABA therapy. And some of the kids spoke to those therapists that were coming and going in their homes and, and realizing um, that at mealtimes, these strangers would sit with them at their at their table, so they had trouble defining their family as just their siblings and their parents, but they would also include, oh, and Alyssa and Christine. These are therap- names of therapists that worked with Wesley. Um, I suspect if, if I were able to ask Wesley what he thought family was, he might include those people. Um, maybe even Ava. What do you think? I think... I think he would just say that Ava was family because um, sister and brother are words that he's familiar with. And so he thinks that anyone that's defined as sister or brother is family. Mom and dad definitely also are like brother and sister. Um, What do you think about Alyssa? Do you think Wesley would think of Alyssa as part of our family? I would definitely I would say that because he misses he misses Alyssa a lot and then when we took a visit to Wisconsin we were able to uh talk with her and he was really happy and excited to see her. It was. And um I feel like he would definitely call her family because of the bond they have. Did you think it was strange when we lived in Wisconsin and, and we would have these extra people at our table or what what did you think about that? I thought there is a lot of people here. Um and I was trying to rec- remember all their names and I'm like Trisha Morgan Christine new person (laughs) (laughs) there did seem to be a lot of new people coming and going at times yeah and then the different days of the week I could not remember they were like 
Thursday, Morgan, Saturday, Christine, and then Christine will be on Thursday, and I'd be like, what? So that was pretty confusing, keeping yes. track of their schedules. Yes, it was. Though I feel like there were three in particular which caught my brothers, both of them, in the heart. Yeah. <laughs> there was Morgan, Christine, and Alyssa. I would agree with you that they really did create some bonds with some of those therapists and um, became really close, almost like family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it takes a good therapist to do that, though. Yeah. All right. Um, do you ever feel lonely? Sometimes I do, because I feel like no one else is here that can really feel what I feel sometimes. But except mom. Mom... Mom. (laughs) How do you feel when somebody who is not acquainted with our family or doesn't know us that well, when they say, hey, Livia, what's wrong with your brothers? What what goes through your mind? What what do you say to them? What do you think? What do you mean? They're perfect. They where they are. Uh, they, I feel like that people shouldn't judge. Sort sort of like the phrase, "Don't judge a book by its cover," because if you get to know Taylor, Wesley Wesley's a bit of a challenge because I'm trying to be friends and see see what he's like. Wesley's more of a challenge because he wants his way, sort of like with Ava, but Ava's way more demanding. (laughs) I would say that Ava's aware of wanting it to be all about herself. And I would say that Wesley is not so much aware of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the challenge lies in Wesley is that he's not even aware that he's has these kind of attitudes and needs. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you really get to know Taylor or Wesley and you know what they like, like, you could say a different... Wesley likes some phrases that I say, sort of like um, when I put it... When sometimes when I'm putting him to bed, he likes me to uh, take his blanket and I, I go, one, two, three, I throw it onto him and I go, sprinkler. <laughs> <laughs> and he li- he likes sprinklers and so he's like, yay, and he giggles and then... He has this little lion plush that I give to him, and he's like, here's a little lion friend. And then he also has a connection with his neck pillow, which is like a dog, and he named it Doggy. And so I just also give him his doggy, and it's really cute and adorable. Sometimes Leslie can be really, really adorable. Like, if you hear the outro, smoochy, smoochy, bye-bye, it's adorable. And also the hello um yeah uh i feel like you if you get to know them they're pretty good and yeah (laughs) all right can you talk about how you help your siblings 
in the world and how they help you to view the world. How do you, how do you perceive the world differently because you have this perspective of having Wesley and Taylor and even Ava as your sibling? I help them, especially Ava and Wesley, by, like, playing with them mostly because that's what they really enjoy. And I feel like it also helps me see the different ways in which kids can act. Like, if Ava wants to play online games, then I can do it with her, and she'll be like, look at this, this is the funnest thing on earth. And then with Wesley, I can do, like, dominoes, like we did today. And he would be like, oh my god, it's so cool. And I, I, when I help Wesley with his dominoes, basically, I try and help him stack them. And then he drops one. And they all go scattering. <laughs> <laughs> but then I help him pick them back up again. And when he gets sad, I like, I either put a blanket on him, I go, what's wrong? And I tickle him. Or I'm just like, what's wrong, buddy? And then with Ava, when she's upset, I'm like, what's wrong? I'm not as like gentle with Wesley because it's harder to get things out of Ava. Like, uh, sometimes, like, one night when she started crying, I went into her room, and I'm like, what's wrong? And she was like, something you can't know. And I'm like, tell me. And she's like, I think I lost something. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Do you then come to us and talk to us about it, or do you fix it, or how? What happens when she tells you something like she lost something. What Mo- happens then? Most times I attempt to find it. Other times I may or may not tell you guys. Um, but there's also the occasional don't tell mom and dad when it when it's like a secret and it's something that you guys do not approve of. And I'm just like... Hey. What helps you decide when you should come and talk to us and when it's kind of like, okay... That we don't know. Hmm. I say if it's if it's an issue that um, is personal and that you know deep down she really cares about it, I won't tell her. But if it's like act like sneaking a chocolate bar or something, I'm probably going to tell you guys because then we know what she's up to. <laughs> Not just about Ava, but how about Taylor and Wesley? Do they ever tell you secrets and or things that you feel like you need to share with us? or um, That just doesn't come up with them. I've been trying to get Wesley to tell me some things about his life, but he doesn't understand them. Taylor... Taylor doesn't usually tell me secrets often um he sort of keeps it to himself so i I'm, sometimes i think about what taylor thinks of when he's doing his legos like he if he stays in there all day he has a lot of time to think about something he sure does <laughs> i feel the same way about your dad sometimes he likes to he goes running for like 
20 miles that takes three hours. Mm -hmm. What does he think about for three hours of time? Mm -hmm. You can't just be blank thoughts all the way there because how would you even do that? (laughs) I wonder if he thinks about like the pain in his legs or something. Well, that's what I would think about. That's why I'm like at a six mile cap. Mm -hmm. I don't like anything more than six miles. Mm -hmm. But your dad could run and run and run forever, I think, and not run out of thought. I mean, he ran like three marathons. I think he's done like five now total. He he was doing two a year for several years. Mm. So... All right, we're getting to the end of my question and answer section here. Um, do you do you have any concerns or worries about the future? Or what are your concerns and worries? I know you're worried. What are they? I'm worried about what Wesley will do when we're not there for him because he really isn't defined, I would say, yet. Because he acts like first grader, I would say. Whereas in physical, he'd be in fourth grade if he was, quote, normal. Um, For Taylor, I'm worried he's just going to never socialize with anyone. (laughs) Because... It's it's this is like a recent thing now. It's that he just hides in his room, closes his door, listens to his book all day. Usually comes down for the occasional dinner, goes back upstairs, closes the door. Dad comes up to tell him it's time for bed, goes to bed. And Ava, I feel like I need to get her back in empathy or at least get her some empathy. Because I don't know if she ever really had some. Do you feel like this is your responsibility? Sometimes I feel like it is because I'm the sister who is the responsible sister. So I need to help out my parents. I need to help out my siblings. I don't think about myself often. (laughs) I worry about that with you because there's this thing called burnout and that means that you get kind of tired because you've been working so hard and so hard and so hard and I I worry about you having burnout over how much you care for your brother and sister and how how that affects you personally because you do need me time and you do need to do things for yourself and be mindful of how much you can handle at any one time. I never want you to take that weight of the world on your shoulders. I realize that sometimes you do. Recently, I've started to think about myself a bit more because I've started to actually notice at least two of my siblings being all over the place with me. And ever since I became Wesley's new friend, he, uh, <laughs> he's he been asking me to do a lot of things like play Minecraft on the uh, downstairs TV. And he also likes to play a board game, but mostly Minecraft. And I'm like, 
I don't want to do Minecraft right now. <laughs> and he's like, Minecraft, please. And he just begs me and begs me all the time that I refuse. And then I finally accept with a very, very... Uh. <laughs> yes. Well, one of the things of autism that we've talked about on the show before is that they have these obsessions. And I think particularly with Wesley, he becomes very obsessed with a certain activity. Mm-hmm. Right now it's Minecraft. For a while it was scootering. Mm-hmm. Um, and he knows that he doesn't want to do it alone. But he, he doesn't understand that people, friends, siblings don't want to do the same activity over and over and over again. And especially because he doesn't handle the challenges of those activities well, I think that makes it even harder for you guys. So Wesley will, he will ask to do it over and over and over again because he's totally obsessed with it. Um, Kind of like Taylor with the Titanic, only he wasn't asking you to watch the Titanic movie over Mm -hmm. and over and over again. He was staying more to himself by with his obsessions. And actually he started talking to a friend he'd made without me, which I found quite surprising and I hoped that he would find more friends, but didn't really happen, but uh, he found someone else who was also obsessed with the Titanic, and then one uh, ne- the next year he was gone. I kind of feel like that friend um, fueled Taylor's obsession with Titanic. Yeah, a little bit. I I didn't really like him because there was one time where he called me a name, and I was just like, nah. And so I sort of stayed away from him a lot. So this is a really good point to ask my my last question here is, um, do you feel that you ask, that I ask you to help too much? Are you growing up too quickly because I'm asking you to do too much? And I know that there are times where you're, I'm asking you to do things that you really don't want to do in that moment. Yeah. Um... Sometimes I feel like you are, but most times I feel like I can do this, even if there is a brick wall on my back. Spoken like my true daughter. (laughs) (laughs) So let me um, finish up with a couple of things I want you to, I want you to complete the sentence. Okay. I feel sad when... I feel sad when my siblings don't believe in me anymore. When they feel like I'm not really into anything. Also, I feel sad when Taylor decides just to stay in his room all day and I don't get to see him because I really love him. I also get sad when... um, uh, there's when when I basically when I just feel disappointed sometimes, like disappointed in yourself or disappointed in other people, in myself for doing something wrong or what at least what I think is wrong. Okay. Sometimes I really need. Oh, <laughs> this is an interesting one. Um, 
sometimes I think I need, was it? <laughs> I really need. Okay, sometimes I really need my alone time. There would be one day where I'm the socialist butterfly you can ever be. And then there will be the next day. And I will be like, I need to see no humans whatsoever. (laughs) I kind of expected that to come. (laughs) The best thing about my family is... The best thing about my family is that they care for me. I look up to them and I feel like they're they're there for me. And even though some of them might have quirks, I still understand them. Like sometimes when Wesley says of foreign messages that my mom and dad can't understand and no one else can, but I can, I just sort of translate it sometimes when taylor has frequent spelling errors i can usually understand those as well and help him spell check it yeah (laughs) what i want parents to know about being a sibling of special needs kids is i'm not gonna say all that but is (laughs) That if you do have someone who's autistic, you should get to know them. Because if you get to know them, you get to understand them. And they can they can probably become and think of you as a friend. And they can also start, help, they can, uh, start talking and help you understand them more. What do you want um, other parents to know about being a sibling of these kids? What do you want them to know about you as the sibling? That sometimes we just need a break. (laughs) All right, so I'd like to welcome my husband, John, into the conversation. Hi, everybody. And I still have Olivia here with us. Hello. Um, let's see. I wanted to talk a little bit, Olivia, about the challenges um, between you and Taylor at school. We've talked mostly about at home. Um, a little bit, you said a little bit about school, but talk to us, um, a little bit about what it's like to be around Taylor at school, what challenges there are. Um, And you know the difference between being in his class and not being in his class. And I think that's a difficult decision for some parents. And I'd like to know your take on it. Well, I'm going to start with when I wasn't with him. I think that when I wasn't with him, I felt like he needed my help. I felt like, oh no, something's going to go wrong. He, He doesn't really understand other people except me how do I fix this Um, when I'm with him I feel like he has a very big and prominent challenge distractions he can turn a glue stick into a rocket (laughs) that's quite the talent (laughs) and 
when he's and he can turn his hands into a scene from like a movie and then he can just take them and he can go do his sound effects and he's made a movie in his imagination do you, do you think that his mindfulness is somewhere outside of the classroom at that moment yes it is in his hands and he he i try and sort of hit him a bit under the table because I'm sort of like, do your uh, sound effecting. <laughs> and then he sort of, he just gets a-, a bit angry at me and then he keeps doing it and I'm like, fine, I'll take my notes, I guess. I think that's a very, that's probably a pretty good response because there's only so much you can do and it's a lot of ways not your responsibility of what Taylor is and is not doing. So recognizing that all right, you're going to try to help him a little bit, but eventually you just have to get to the point where you have to let him do his own thing because you need to focus on your stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was his most prominent. And when I couldn't help him in language arts, because I was math class, uh, in language arts he was like a table group away from me. And so whenever he did that, I tried to look over and sort of mouth talk. But... He either didn't understand my mouth talking or he just didn't see me whatsoever. So you kind of gave him the mom look. The big sis, I mean the little little sister look, I guess, to him at least. This might be an interesting thing for you to know, but I didn't have any siblings with me in class. But I would do similar things in some ways. Like I would really zone out in class when I was younger. Patterns. (laughs) Patterns. <laughs> and I did a lot of pattern stuff. I don't think I was bad as Taylor. I don't remember doing like things where it was like disrupting the class, but I definitely remember like zoning out. Taylor does zone out and he, he it's it's very, very strange and uh I've tried to think of ways that he's doing it without even realizing it, but it's just like spacing out. Um, Also, in math class, I try to get the teacher to sort of realize that he's spacing, but there's a whole class, so I don't try very hard. And that's okay. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I think is interesting, we talked a little bit about how Olivia and I are less on the spectrum than the rest of our family. And um, I will note on this subject that I think there is a little bit of my spectrum-y here because I definitely listen better when I'm able to doodle on the sidelines. Hmm. So I loved taking notes and I love taking notes in many different colors because my intricate geometrical drawings on the side of my paper were always very colorful. (laughs) I will note, young lady, that my doodles were never on test papers. And I never spent so much of my time making such an intricate doodle that I didn't answer an entire page of questions. And I also never told my math teacher on a test because I know when it said to explain my work. 
I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just draw. Uh-huh. <laughs> so there's definitely some challenges there with with school and um, particularly being in the same classroom. Um, do you think that Taylor struggled with these things in classes that you weren't involved in? I think that definitely did happen. Yeah. Do you think um, who would help him? What would happen? I would rush in, or at least in my younger mind, I would rush in and I'd be like, I'm here to save you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So there are, there was an article I read um, that was published a while ago. It's from 1992, but I thought there were some interesting little advice points for parents uh, about how to deal with their siblings who are, are normal or typically developing. Um, and this was published by the School of Occupational Health in Halifax, Nova Scotia. But they offered three points for parents. They said, number one, give siblings an opportunity to meet other siblings of children with disabilities. Number two, provide information to that sibling about their other sibling's specific um, disabilities, including the nature of that disability, the purpose of their assessments and their treatment plan, and how they can help. And then number three, create an environment of safety for those siblings to come and share their thoughts and feelings. Um, so let's take it one at a time, Olivia. I was thinking about giving siblings an opportunity to meet other siblings. What's your experience on that line? So, like, what would be my answer if I were talking to another person? Or have have we given you opportunities where you've been able to meet with other siblings of children with disabilities? One person and her uh, disabled uh, brother is very different from my from our family he's more violent than ours and does does that make it harder for you to relate to her i mean the the, the, the i feel like the fact that of how we connect is because of the autisticness in his, in the in her brother um and, and uh she also because I met her in school and she's my friend. <laughs> Do you think that she helps you and you help her or vice versa? Um, I attempt to help her. She moves a millimeter closer to being good and then she doesn't help me whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She doesn't even help give you some perspective. Nah. <laughs> what about um, Sibs Camp? At Sibs Camp, um, I I tried to make friends with some of the people, uh, but I didn't really connect with them as well because they didn't talk about 
their siblings. They mostly just talked about uh, what they were doing. <laughs> Interesting. So Sibs Camp is a program in Wisconsin. It's called Wisconsin Sibs. And for a week in July in the summertime, they held a day camp at the same time as our disability camp called Camp Hope. Um, we sent Ava and Olivia both to Sibs Camp. Um, and the idea was that they would get some of the specific one-on-one attention and be around people with other siblings of other special needs children. Um, surprised they didn't have any programming for you to talk about your brother or sister with disabilities. Not really. I mean, I tr- I tried to tell them about my brother and sister, but they would just not tell me anything about their siblings or anything. They would just sort of shrug it off and talk about oh, the weather or something. Interesting. So giving um, information to to children who have siblings with special needs. Um, I recall a distinct point in time where, and I don't know how, how much you're aware of this, where you would kind of meet somebody new and the first thing out of your mouth was, oh, my brothers have autism. And it's kind of gone away now that you're a little bit older, but I wonder, like, did we give you enough information about um, your brother's disabilities and abilities or too much, or what do you think? I think that you are at the perfect spot about telling us. I honestly didn't even realize that I would just go, my brother's have autism. Um, I think I'm more cautious now since me and Taylor had a bit of a talk about, um, how, of, about people, about him not telling people about him having autism because he gets a little nervous about that. Like they're going to treat him differently, which some people do. Yeah. (laughs) don't think people have yet but it could be a possibility i've had to i admit i was i've been bad about this in the past because sometimes i meet people with our kids and the immediate thought i want to is to address wesley's behavior because wesley in my mind because i see it all the time screams that he has something that's not considered normal and so I have to find myself having to hold back as far as saying, oh, by the way, our son has autism. Like, I've got to be like, all right, if it comes up, it's fine. But I'm not going to bring it up as like the first thing these people know about my kid. Because mm-hmm. nowadays I'm like, my little brother has autism. Sometimes I do the glance at Taylor to see if he wants to know. And I say, should I tell them to him? quietly and then either he'll say yes or he'll say no thank you interesting that you guys had a little talk about it how did that come up um i was i think i was in the middle of sort of talking to a friend in uh in in math class and then he he sort of 
told told and then he started telling me about how he didn't like it when he just when I just said to people that he has autism and he so he's a little quirky. Do you think that Taylor sees himself as being quirky? No, because it's the only like it's the only lifestyle he's ever known, and he like he doesn't he doesn't realize it. <laughs> so when you point that out, you're kind of pointing out something to people that Taylor doesn't even identify. Yeah, nice. never thought about it that way. You seem to understand his not wanting you to share that information like you get it yeah because he 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 doesn't want other people to think badly of him either i think but he doesn't realize when he is acting what we would call quote badly he doesn't realize that he is um being quote the bad person i see so another article I read said was supporting this premise that you should give information to the sibling and its advice specifically said, make it concrete, said, you know, children who don't understand will sort of invent, they'll make up. So John, I was curious to get your take on this because we've always been pretty concrete about what we tell the kids not just with uh, regard to autism, but in a lot of different yeah. areas. We don't so, beat around the bush. Yeah. So what about parents who, who have kids that they're not quite sure how to, how to explain this to them? Yeah, because I don't think... I've, we've been pretty lucky with our kids that Olivia and others have been very understanding of what this is. But I could see, especially on... In a situation maybe where you had just Taylor and Wesley and you didn't have other kids, how would you explain to Taylor what Wesley's problem is if he didn't have somebody to compare him with, say, with Ava? So I think I could see them not being able to sit down and have that concrete definition and kind of be like, well, he's kind of like this and he's kind of like that. And I mean, part of the problem is, too, is that because this is a spectrum, it's... We say, you know, be very defined, very hard. But then again, there is a lot of gray area in this. So how do you be defined about something that's gray? Right. What shade do we have here? True. Some other thoughts that an article um, offered is to define that fair is not, does not always mean equal. I thought that was a really um, interesting point to make because you do want to treat your children fairly and when there is an ability differing abilities with children how do you be fair i have that problem a lot with wesley because when he wants to place like red light green light and he gets tagged he says that's not fair and then he goes off running and he's like i'm not playing anymore and I feel like when I don't know how to f- help it when he says that because I feel like how do I make him know that it's part of the 
game and how do I make him be okay with it when really I don't think I can make him be okay with it because no one likes getting uh, out or anything. Sure. But it just, I don't know how to fix it. (laughs) Well, I think um, sometimes the rules have to be different and that's kind of what this is getting at. Mm -hmm. But the problem with Wesley is he likes it when you have to look away and he comes back and you can and he looks away again and you go forward and you go he goes back and you have to be stuck still can't even blink um but he uh whenever we get closer to him he will take his scooter if we're at the park and he will back up like two meters and then he will stop, and then he will look away again, and we'll be like, Wesley, you're not supposed to do that. And I'll be like, but I don't want you to tag me. And we're like, but that's the point of the game, and he doesn't understand it. And yeah. So consider this example, Olivia. Every day, once a week, we ask you guys <laughs> to fold laundry. Do we ever really ask Wesley to fold laundry? No. Is that fair? I think it's better because then we don't have to deal with scattered clothes on the floor that are barely even folded. I I think that would be fair, but with Ava, she isn't going to think that's fair. So when I say that we have to change the rules a bit, when it comes to folding laundry, we've changed the rules so that you and Taylor and Ava fold your own laundry. And usually the four of us fold Wesley's laundry and help put it away. Because we know that asking Wesley to fold his laundry is a fiasco waiting to happen. So we've sort of changed the rules. Mm-hmm. It's fair, but not equal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting idea to think about, right? Yes, it definitely is. (laughs) Um, Some other advice I was was finding is communicate openly. Um, I think that we are exceedingly well at this. I'm not sure that other families with special needs children are as open. And I I do believe that there's some caution, like Olivia was um, getting at, where Taylor is afraid that people might treat him differently. I think that in the world, people are afraid to address the special needs and worried that other people will treat them differently. I often worry that we'll be treated differently if we don't speak about it. Any thoughts on open communication? Well, you'll have to be very specific if you're talking to someone who has autism, like with Taylor, we said the phrase about being concrete. He didn't understand that, so we said we have to be very specific. And I, th- I th- he he recognized that better than concrete, because expressions are more difficult to understand if your mind only thinks in certain ways. Um, op- talking openly to a person who doesn't has who has auti- who has a sibling who has autism about it someone who like me could be understanding about it because we know what they're going through 
but if they're not and they're just a single person and they try to talk, they could probably, they'd most likely not really think about it and sort of be like, oh, it's just like another sibling or younger sibling and be like, eh, they're just the horrid ones who mess up your room and yeah. Talking, also talking openly is a bit worrisome sometimes because then like we were saying about talking about Taylor having, being scared about other people knowing about his autism is also a struggle that would happen. And I think also there can be a a line there in some ways because you don't want to have judgment and you feel like sometimes you, if you openly, if you're open with autism, you could be inviting sub-judgment. I mean, with anybody, with any difference from what we consider normal, you're always inviting some kind of judgment into that situation. Um, at the same time, I think people, if you tell them, if you open them up, they're not, they're going to be judgmental. So it's better to be open anyways. I agree. I agree. So, John, um, these last couple of points, I'm just going to go through really quickly. Um, the experts suggest providing siblings um, other mechanisms of coping, such as shooting hoops, writing a diary, having a special like music time, just any other kind of outlets for their stress. Um, they talk about encouraging sibling bonding, balancing that feeling of responsibility, and then um, discussing the future. And I realized I recognized that you weren't here when Olivia and I talked about some of these things. But ultimately, she didn't say anything that was too surprising to me. She talked about feeling the weight of bricks on her shoulders and that responsibility to be helpful and to help her brothers and sister overcome some of their challenges. And then some of her worries about the future um, in terms of those things. What do you think about how parents support their normal or typical developing sibling in dealing with those kinds of feelings of responsibility and stress and the future? Well, I think giving them time away, giving them ways to cope is very important. I think we try to give Olivia ways to get out and to not have so much responsibility like have her let her have you know sleepovers or times where she goes to other friends' house or you know just getting away or having privacy heck in her own room, which sometimes can be real pain because Wesley next to really just barge in there and not give it to you and sometimes we be very straight with Wesley that this is Olivia's time to be away for right now because she needs a break, and in the summer, and I think she's probably felt it as much as anyone how intense this summer has been with everybody being around all the time and not getting that much of a breather. I think you might be looking forward to school in some ways for that, to get a bit of a breather from Wesley and Taylor in ways. Though I don't think Taylor gives you as much stress as Wesley. Yeah, Taylor Taylor isn't as bad. But then again, Taylor stays in his room, like we've mentioned quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh but that also seems to cause you some stress. 
Yeah, that too, which really isn't helpful. <sighs> I mean, being in your face all the time versus locking himself away with his Legos and his book and his own head both seem to give you the same kind of stress, even though they're completely different. <laughs> yeah. I like, I, I'm just stress machine, stress machine or something. Just intake stress, try and relieve some stress. <laughs> I do worry about you when your stress levels and I do, I, I don't know how we're going to address the future exactly, but, know that we do think about it and we are thinking about you and all of them and how is this going to work out when we get later stages of life we i think it's very cloudy area for us right now yeah (laughs) all right so john let's finish up with the same question essentially that i asked olivia so you're going to finish the sentence i want parents to know about the sibling, the normal, typical developing sibling of their special needs child. That they are unfairly, perhaps, put under, put responsibility on them, especially for a twin, put responsibility on them for when they were born. It's not like they had a time when they weren't even when they're younger, feeling some kind of responsibility or impact from autism. And it affects them in different ways. Uh, There's no right or wrong answer. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to think what I would tell somebody. That they are wonderful and that they are supportive and that um, I think we've been really lucky in the ones we've gotten because I could see I've seen other siblings and how they've dealt with autism and it can be stressful and I don't blame them for the way they've acted out but that it can be a really great thing for them to have yeah we didn't um, touch too much on the advantages of um, being a sibling with autism I will briefly hear um, some of the advantages I would say Olivia in particular has exhibited are an extreme sense of empathy. She has clearly dealt with a lot of responsibility and carries that with her in everything, which can in some ways be an advantage as much as it is a stressor. I would say Olivia has a lot of resiliency. Um, she has learned to deal with the people who aren't kind You talked about Taylor's friend calling you a name. Um, You have seen that sometimes the world is not nice. And I think you have been a a huge supporter and um, model for your siblings. They they know they can follow your steps. Um, I would say that you have learned how to build a safe place for them. You have taught them about inclusion and friendship. Um, which I think is huge. I think Taylor in particular would have a very different life if your attitude towards him were differently. Um, I think you provide them with a lot of encouragement. And I think um, one of the struggles is 
how much to do for your sibling with special abilities and when to kind of back off and show them that they can do some things for themselves. And I think we've struggled with that with Wesley. Mm-hmm. But there are definitely some advantages to being a typical de- you know, developing sibling of somebody with special needs. Completely. And I think you've shown a lot of the... You can show the world what that can be. Absolutely. For myself, I would can't answer the question, you know, what would I tell a parent um, with a typical developing sibling um, is to remember that they do need that time. I, I work really hard to find moments where we can escape and just be a mother and a daughter not necessarily with all the chaos around us. And I do try to encourage Olivia. I try to challenge her to think of situations in a, a different way. Um, so sometimes when Wesley's being particularly challenging, I'll try to give her little tidbits like, how about you offer Wesley so many minutes of Minecraft today instead of just being like, no. <laughs> so... Um, just try to remember to take those that time in those moments. Mm-hmm. All right. I think we've talked a lot on this topic. And yeah. it's probably time for us to say goodbye. Dad Siegel, bye. <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, reach us by tuning in at jstannis.com. You can reach us on Twitter, John Stannis is john's twitter handle and me is jj stannis mm-hmm. um yeah um i mean this is pretty exciting in some ways because this is the first episode we've recorded after the first one's been published so we're live on itunes so that's always exciting um but yeah hopefully you can continue to see a regular output of these things from us as we continue to share our story and our life on the spectrum yeah we would love to hear any questions or comments from your life on the spectrum and look forward to the discussion until next week. She's a duck. Smudgy, smudgy. Bye-bye. Oh.